Welcome to the addendum, a thing added. On this podcast, Pastor Eric Williams will add to, clarify, and supplement the most recent teachings at Fellowship Renewed Church. Welcome everyone. Glad to be here with you on this Monday morning. Had a wonderful day of worship with you all yesterday. We were in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. And I hope you enjoyed the time of singing yesterday and the song that the kids presented to us. And just a great time of reflection on these realities. And as we're thinking about it and we're remembering all that we discussed yesterday, I thought we could start our time just by uh, reading these three verses. It says, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, as we discussed, this text is is laid out in a particular way. And he starts with one imperative to us. He ends with another imperative to us, which are really two sides of, of the same coin. And I, I hope that came through. Uh, if not, here it is. He begins with the imperative saying, flee. And then he ends with an imperative, an imperative saying, glorify. Flee from sexual immorality And instead, the direction that you're to go as you're fleeing, you're running toward God, giving him glory in your body. Glorify God in your body. So we're running away from one thing toward another thing. We're running away from sexual immorality in particular. And we're running toward glorifying God in our bodies because our bodies matter. And when we give God glory in our body, it's by using our bodies the way that they were intended to be used. When we do this, it gives God glory. So he starts with the imperative of fleeing from sexual immorality. He gives the reason for that. The sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And then that's established based upon a particular reality. And the reality that that's built upon is your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. And of course, he begins that by saying, or do you not know? Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Because if you did know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, then you would understand that the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And what you should do then is flee from sexual immorality. Not just try to avoid it because it's a good idea, but you should set yourself on a particular trajectory, and that trajectory is one that flees from sexual immorality. We should run away from it. And remember, we talked about Joseph yesterday, and we talked about a particular situation that came upon him where he was caught in the middle of a situation. I mean, literally physically caught in the middle of a situation. And what he chose to do in that moment was to run, was to flee. And what we should be doing then is, is taking this and, and running, fleeing 
this has so many implications. It's such an easy mental picture and imagery for us to run, to flee from sexual immorality. But isn't it, and wouldn't you agree with me when I say this, that it's one thing to have the imagery and say, yes, that's a, that's a good idea. But it's another thing altogether to then take that imagery, apply it to our own lives, and to carry that with us every single day, day in and day out, when all around us, what's happening is that we feel this pressure of all the world, it seems, saying, don't flee from these things. No, embrace them. Don't flee from them. No, press in farther toward them. Be more like this. If we're thinking in terms of how Paul describes sexual immorality, it seems as though what the culture around us is saying is, no, don't, don't flee from sexual immorality. Embrace sexual immorality. Don't run away from it. Embrace it. Um, it's difficult, isn't it? But this is our call, and we're strengthened by this as we understand the Word of God, as we read it, we study it together. And then also as we strengthen one another as we come beside each other and we say, we all believe this is true together, and this is what we're all together, collectively pursuing. We are all fleeing sexual immorality together because this is good and because it gives God glory, right? It gives God glory, and we want to give him glory. All right, you are not your own. So this is that second set of of um, imagery here where he before is talking about temple imagery and holiness and then he he switches in a sense with all the same ideas right with the same concepts flowing from this and in parallel but the imagery is a little different in the second set we are not our own we were bought with a price and so we must glorify god in our bodies glorify god in our bodies why because we don't belong to ourselves but we were bought with a price. I'd like to talk about this just for a few minutes. When we look at uh, the New Testament, there are some things that stick out to us about this, this imagery, this idea that we are servants of God. And that word servant, many of you probably know, this is one of those Greek words that kind of became uh, famous or... I don't know if famous is the right word, but it became kind of a fad, uh, popular in a sense. Uh, the word is doulos, and it means bondservant or slave um, or servant. And this is uh, a word that is used quite regularly. And so when you look at, for example, Romans 1, 1, uh, Paul says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. What does he call himself when he first starts? How does he identify himself? What does he see as a primary identifying factor of who he is? What marks out Paul? What identifies Paul? Who is he? He is a servant of Christ Jesus. Doulos, bondservant of Christ Jesus. He doesn't just do this in Romans 1. Uh, he does this also in Galatians 1, Philippians 1, Titus 1. He does this again in 2 Corinthians 4, calls himself a bondservant of Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul's not the only one who does this. James 
James 1.1. James, servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? Or 2 Peter 1.1. Simon Peter, servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. How about Jude 1.1? Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Revelation 1.1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the thing that the things that must soon take place. And he made it known by sending his angel to his servant, Dulas, John, who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so who do we have here? We have Paul, James, Peter, Jude, and John, all identifying themselves primarily, their primary identifier in this life, and to all who would read what they're writing, what do they need to know about them? What do they want their audience to know? My name is Paul, and I am a servant of Jesus Christ. My name is James, and I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. My name is Peter, my name is Jude, my name is John, and I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. What do you need to know about me, first and foremost? That my life is not my own but I have been purchased and I have a master and Lord and that he is the one I serve with all of my thoughts and with this very letter that I'm writing. I am writing this as a servant of Jesus Christ. So while they identify themselves as servants of Jesus Christ, is it right, is it biblical, is it true that we are all servants of Jesus Christ? A good question to ask, because just because we find things being described in Scripture doesn't mean they are always descriptive of all believers. Just because something is descriptive of an apostle, for example, does not mean it's descriptive of all Christians, generally speaking, does it? Uh, so we want to ask the question, while, uh, while they are identifying themselves as servants of Jesus Christ, is it true that we are all servants of Jesus Christ? A good question to ask, a relevant question to ask, why are we asking it in terms of our text from yesterday? You were bought with a price. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. What is that? What are the implications there? You do not belong to yourself. You belong to another. You were purchased. And how did someone acquire a servant? Back in this time, back in this day, how did this master-servant mentality make sense to them? How would you have come across a servant? You would purchase them or you would pay a redemption price. The reason that many people were... Uh, uh, operating as servants is because they had debts they couldn't pay, and so they had to give themselves into service to pay off their debts. Now, we had a debt. We had a debt to God himself. And in order for us to truly pay off a debt for our sins against a holy God would be the very wrath of God, and it's, it's never-ending, you can never satisfy the wrath of God because he is a just God and he is a perfectly holy God. And we were born by nature children of wrath. So, how does all this 
fit together. I want to read for you 1 Peter 2. And I'm going to start in verse 13. It says, this is 1 Peter 2, beginning in verse 13, it says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Okay, so here's this strange balance that we face every single day. I mean, day in, day out, we have a strange balance that we live in. Uh, for many different reasons, actually, and this is just one of those reasons, but it's a very high-level reason. Uh, we are servants, that the word doulos is used here, douloi, we are servants of God. That is, all of us, all of us who are in Christ Jesus are now servants of God. You cannot be in Christ Jesus by faith and not be a servant of God. Your life is not your own. You were purchased with a price. In order to be purchased with a price, that means that you belong to another. And how do you belong to another? That is by faith in Christ Jesus. So all those who have faith in Christ Jesus were purchased with a price. It's never free in that regard. You can't become in Christ Jesus without a price. Christ Jesus himself paid the price. That price is reckoned to your account through faith, and by faith you become in Christ, and when you are in Christ, you are a servant of God. So it's impossible that anyone would be in Christ and not a servant of God. The two necessarily go together. So if you are in Christ, you are a servant of God. And how are we to live as servants of God? Knowing uh, Paul, Paul's specific point here in, in 1 Corinthians 6 has to deal with sexual immorality. But that's a very narrow, specific application to the fact that we are servants of God, that we are not our own. So it, it, it applies there, certainly, and it has massive implications for us in our lives. And, and we, we've been talking about that the last several weeks. But it has, it has far more uh, vast implications. It's farther reaching than that one narrow idea. Peter says it this way, live as people who are free, you are free, but not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So there's contrast, contrast. You are free, that is true, but your freedom is not a cover-up for evil. That is, while you could sin, in a sense, the fact that you are free doesn't mean that you should sin. This is where Paul would say, should we sin that grace may abound, may it never be, right? But Peter is saying, in contrast to that, you should live as servants of God in every aspect of life. 
you know, he's talking about this more so in public life. Um, and he's talking about human institutions, the emperor, governors, uh, all those such things. But this has implications for every aspect of our lives. So when we're talking about being servants of God, we just need to consider the fact that this this has to do with every single aspect of our lives. We are never not servants of God. So today, throughout this week, just be thinking, how can I live as a servant of God in every aspect of my life? Thank you for joining us on the Addendum Podcast. For more information about Fellowship Renewed Church, visit frcsparta.com. Please join us for next week's episode.